The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 116 Whom Should You Trust? King Asa, facing impossible odds against the massive Ethiopian army, put the situation into God's hands with a faithful, heartfelt prayer. As he returned to the line of battle, the sky began to darken. At that moment, the Ethiopians charged towards Judah's army, the monstrous horde, a million soldiers with 300 war chariots in front swept toward the outnumbered Jews. Just as the chariots came within striking distance, the sky above them opened up with a torrential downpour of giant hailstones pummeling the Ethiopians. Then a tremendous earthquake shook the ground, turning it into rocky, broken terrain that tore the wheels off axles and caused horses to stumble. Egyptian records describe this miraculous event. The main body of the Ethiopian army, which had followed behind the chariots, was shocked at the sudden destruction of its elite force, filled with fear at the obvious supernatural intervention. The footmen slowed their advance. Judah's troops saw the opportunity. A massive barrage of Benjamite arrows pierced the advancing lines. Men stumbled, yells filled the air, the Ethiopians wavered, and Judah's infantry charged. The Ethiopians fell back in confused retreat from this bold attack, then fled before the smaller force. Some of them tried to make a stand at Gira in southwest Judah. The Ethiopians had established their storage depot and base of operations there. But Judah's army, filled with courage from its first victory, pushed them out of that town too. After the army chased the Ethiopians far enough to make sure they were no longer a threat, it returned to Gira and took the bountiful spoils back to Jerusalem, including a sizable number of sheep and camels. When Asa's victorious army came within sight of the walls of Jerusalem, people ran out to meet and cheer for it. Among the crowd, one man stood out. His name was Azariah. God had chosen him to deliver a message to Judah's king. When Asa saw the man boldly approaching, he had a curious desire to meet him. Let that man through, he commanded. As Azariah neared, Asa welcomed him. Thank you for coming out to meet us, the king said. Thank you, Lord, said the man, bowing. I have a message for you from God. Please hear what he has to say. Asa, who had been deeply moved by the awesome victory God had given as an answer to prayer, was eager to hear the message. He asked Azariah to speak on. God answered the prayer you made to him before the battle, Azariah said. He is with you as long as you remain faithful to him. If you forsake him, rest assured, 
he will do the same to you. Stay close to him and reap the benefits of that relationship, both for yourself and for your kingdom. Remember the terrible history of Israel under the judges and during the reigns of kings who did not stay close to God, including your own father. Back then, troubles routinely came upon the people. War, famine, sickness, disunity, and poverty. Not even the priests remembered God's laws. God afflicted his people with these problems to turn the nation back to him. Only after the people repented would he forgive and help them. Keep these thoughts in mind as you go forward in your kingship. Remember God's promises. Keep your relationship with him strong and stay loyal. If you do this, you and the nation will be rewarded with protection and prosperity. It was a powerful message, perfectly confirmed by what God had just done to the Ethiopians. Asa thanked Azariah and took his words to heart. The words stuck in his mind after he returned home. By the time he had reached the palace, he was determined to renew his attack on idolatry. Soon, he was zealously rooting out the idols from his kingdom even reaching into the border towns that Rehoboam had captured. Those from Israel, who saw the example Judah was setting, began to stream across the border. They wanted to be a part of a nation that was clearly being blessed by God. Asa also tried to repair the damage to the temple caused by neglect and the looting of Shishak's men. His work returned it to closer to its former state. He wanted it to be a beacon of God's way for all the people of Judah and those who were joining the nation. As the repairs were finishing, one of God's annual holy days, Pentecost, was approaching. Asa sent word to all 12 tribes that there would be a tremendous feast day at Jerusalem. Even beyond the normal Pentecost observance, people came in droves. 700 cattle and 7,000 sheep were sacrificed on that feast day. Asa made a speech to the people, reiterating the promises God had made to the nation of Israel. On the holy day, the people wanted to make a promise to God of their continued obedience. In a loud voice, the people promised to serve God and voiced their support of the death penalty for any who refused to seek God. They were striving to live according to God's ways, and most of those who came to the celebration had stayed faithful through the bad times. Abijam had dedicated some of the spoil he had taken from Jeroboam to the service of the temple, but had not lived long enough to see it used. Asa renewed this promise, and on this Pentecost, he had the priests and Levites bring the temple furnishings into their proper place. For several years, the kingdom of Judah rested in peace and prosperity due to Asa's righteousness and wise leadership. Then, 
After 35 years of godly rule, he made a foolish decision, which negated much of what he had done up to that point. While Judah had been enjoying the benefits of righteous leadership, the northern kingdom of Israel was entrapped by wickedness. After Jeroboam's death, his son Nadab ruled. No better than his father, he actually advanced the idolatry that kept the land in its grip. But after 13 years in power, Nadab was killed in the Danite town of Gibeton in a minor skirmish with the Philistines. It wasn't the Philistines who killed him, though, but a cunning conspirator named Basha from the tribe of Issachar. To cement his grip on the throne, Basha quickly killed off everyone of the line of Jeroboam, fulfilling Ahijah's prophecy to Jeroboam. Basha was greatly displeased that some of the people of Israel were immigrating or traveling to Judah to get away from the idolatry of the land. He saw Asa's purge of idolatry in Israel's border towns as deliberate provocation. Something had to be done, he thought. As soon as the opportunity arose, he seized the town of Ramah, six miles north of Jerusalem. Ramah was a small town, but strategically valuable for one reason. The main road to Jerusalem ran through it. Basha planned to cut off the flow of trade to Jerusalem, weakening it and leaving it susceptible to invasion. Asa heard of Basha's move. He was unhappy about it, but did not want war. He searched for a peaceful solution. But sadly, he did not think to consult God. This led to an awful mistake. Asa ordered his servants to pack up the gold and silver of the temple treasury and send it in a well-guarded caravan to Benadad, king of Syria. Our nations are historic allies, he wrote in the letter included with the gift. This treasure is to reinforce the fact that it would profit you more to break your peace with Basha and expand your territory into Israel than to keep your agreement and attack us. Basha's armies are focused on us right now. You would have little resistance. Benadad wasted no time in breaking the agreement with the northern kingdom and taking territory from Basha. Soon after, Asa was pleased to hear news of the Syrians taking some of the towns in Naphtali. When Basha realized what was happening, he abruptly abandoned his work of fortifying Ramah and headed north to stop the Syrian advance. He set off quickly, leaving only a skeleton force to hold the partially built garrison. Asa's spies informed him that Basha was gone. Rejoicing in the success of his plan, Asa sent a force to Ramah to seize it. Once they had wiped out the few guards Basha had left, the soldiers took all the building materials that were being used and fortified Geba and Mispah with them. In addition, 
they razed the town to the ground, leaving nothing for Baasha to work with. God used these events to correct the Israelite king who had been so rebellious to him. It certainly wasn't a matter of God blessing Asa. After all, he had completely placed his trust in a dubious deal with a foreign king. Rather than demonstrating the faith that had delivered him from the Ethiopians, God was not pleased with Asa and would make sure he understood that soon enough. King Asa's move to hire Syrian's King Ben-Hadad against King Basha of Israel had turned out badly. The prophet Hanani came to Jerusalem to warn Asa of his foolishness in striking a deal with the Gentile king. Because you relied on the king of Syria instead of God, you have lost the opportunity to neutralize the threat posed by the kingdom of Syria, Hanani told the king. When you defeated the Ethiopian host, you were close to God. You asked him for help and relied on his miracles, and he delivered its armies into your grasp. Would not God have helped you against Basha? Because of your foolish decision, you will continue to have wars. Asa's anger steadily grew during Hanani's speech. As the prophet finished delivering God's message, Asa came to his feet in a rush of rage. Take this man to the dungeons, he yelled, pointing at Hanani. This action seemed to cement a change in Asa. He lost his sense of compassion for his people and became a sterner and less capable ruler. The final unhappy chapter of his life demonstrates how far his faith had fallen. As he grew older, he was plagued with debilitating pain in his feet, probably caused by gout, until he could not walk. Instead of trusting God, he summoned physicians. Nothing helped. However, and after 41 years on Judah's throne, he died. The nation buried its king in Jerusalem with full honors. For a man who had had such a promising beginning early in his reign, this was truly a tragic end. It vividly shows how important it is to sustain a life of faith and to endure. Spiritual greatness early in life is no guarantee of lasting success. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story, find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.